Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. I appreciate uh, everyone here, especially those of you who continue to be faithful uh, while I'm away in a conference and take care of the church while I'm gone. Thank you to our children's church workers who are going to do a great job with our children this morning. I'm going to teach them a wonderful lesson from the Word of God. And speaking of which, let's open up our Bibles to the book of Genesis and chapter 26. What a powerful conference. Uh, I will be, uh, over the next few weeks, sharing a few of the messages um, that took place there in Prescott Conference. I was truly inspired, again. Uh, I thank God for these conferences uh, because there's such a spirit of uh, togetherness, of camaraderie. There's such a spirit of excitement. And uh, once again, I am inspired to do something for God. And I hope this morning that I can share some of that inspiration with you. There is nothing in this life more exciting than the work we are a part of. At the end of your life, what are the things that you're going to look back on and say, wow, I'm so glad I did that? Is it going to be the the tire that you changed this week? Is it going to be the lawn that you mowed? No. When we look back on our lives 50 years from now, if Jesus doesn't come back, you know what we're going to be really excited about? You know what we're going to look back and say, I'm so glad I did that. It's going to be the work that we do for the kingdom. It's going to be the souls that are saved as a result of your ministry or your giving. Okay? Those are the things that you're going to look back on and say, I'm so glad that I did something for the church, that I did something for God. And I want you to begin this morning to think with me as we open to Genesis chapter 26. I want to share with you a a truth I was inspired on this week. 
that, uh, that begin once again to remind me of how important it is the things that we do with our lives. And I want to begin by asking you this question. What does blessing look like in your life? How can you tell if someone is blessed? Is a blessing, a blessing from God, does it look more like a government handout or does it look more like a new job? When God blesses people, God does not only give us handouts. Can you say amen? But God puts labor in our hands. And I want to uh, show you this morning a blessing that was placed into the life of Isaac that he chose to pursue, a blessing that had been obtained by his father Abraham, but he also had to fight to obtain this blessing. And I want you to join with me this morning as we make a commitment to redig the wells that our fathers and those who've gone before us have dug. Let's read together just one verse of Scripture, Genesis 26, verse 18. And I'm praying God will inspire you today. It says these words, And Isaac dug again the wells of water which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. For the Philistines had stopped them up after the death of Abraham. He called them by the names which his father had called them. Let's pray for just a moment. Lord, we come once again by the precious blood of Jesus. I am grateful, Lord, for the precious souls that you've placed in this building today, God, for the people, the ears that are listening to this message. I'm asking that they would be open, God, that they would be receptive to your word. God, that you would speak more than just a nice sermon, but God, that you would inspire our hearts. Lord, I yield to your spirit today, and I thank you for all that you're going to do in Jesus' mighty name. God's people would say, amen. This is a message I've titled, Digging Old Wells. Now, this is a, uh, this is a sermon that I'm going to have to work a little bit harder on for you because, of course, most of you have never had to use a well. We have the blessing of uh, turning a faucet and a water coming out like magic. And so for us to imagine what the world would be like if you didn't have freshly available clean water in every place that you went, I want you to imagine with me that you are not living in 21st century America, but in the ancient world where clean water is hard to come by, or in some places even today in the third world, there's still, there are places in this world today where it is hard for people to find clean water. And in that kind of a world, in the ancient world where uh, clean water fresh water was not easily accessible, one of the best things that you could do in life is to dig a well. Wells are a wonderful thing. And when you read about wells in the Bible, it's something very interesting. Wells are always connected with destiny. Abraham was a man who dug wells. We know, because of the accounts of Scripture, that Abraham was a wealthy person. He owned many 
lands. He owned many livestock. In the world that he lived in, he was a very, very wealthy person. And one of the things Abraham did with his wealth was he dug wells. He dug wells. He uh, hired people and had servants, no doubt, that would dig these wells. And I just want you to imagine how difficult it would be to dig a well, especially where he lived in the Middle East. There are some places that are fertile, uh, some places that are not. But no matter whether the ground is fertile or whether it is hard, it is a difficult thing to dig a, a well. Have you ever been at the beach and your little child says, dig a hole for me? I don't want to do that. Because digging is hard work. Even digging a hole big enough for my 10-year-old child to fit in is going to take me an hour, right? And just at the end of that, it's just going to all be filled in anyway. What's the use? And yet, here in our scripture, we read about wells. Well, even before the time of backhoes and hydraulic equipment, just a single well would take probably months or perhaps even years, to dig it deep enough to reach a fresh source of water. It would take years, labor, toil, sweat, digging down deep, hauling the soil out from depths, taking it somewhere and disposing. We are talking about very difficult projects just to dig a single well. Are you with me so far? And yet... Because Abraham had this commitment, he was willing to pay that price to dig these wells. He was willing to hire the people and perhaps even helped himself to dig these wells to labor and sweat and to see them go down into the earth. Can I tell you, at the end of the day, the well was worth it. Because when a well is finished, you can lower the bucket down into the earth. And as you begin to pull it out, up comes what you are so thirsty for. Have you ever been thirsty? Yesterday I was on an airplane, and I got thirsty halfway through. And I started looking around. You know, you get that dry mouth feeling. And I started looking around. For the, for the person who's going to bring me a drink. And today on the airplanes, man, they don't want to give you nothing. I'm lifting up my hand. I'm dinging the button. Go, bring me some water. Thirsty. In the ancient world, you would feel like that a whole lot more often. And to lower this bucket down into the depth of the earth, it goes down 100 feet or more. And to begin pulling on that rope. And what comes out is not just a blessing for you. It's a blessing for your children. It's a blessing to be able to wash them in clean water and they come out cleaner than they were before. It's a blessing to give that water to your animals so that they can live and produce milk and cheese and meat for your family. It's a blessing because you could take that water and you can water your crops when it doesn't rain for a few weeks. Are you hearing me that the well was the source of life. A well is a source of destiny. And Abraham, we know that God gave a promise to Abraham, didn't he? 
He is the father of our faith, and because Abraham believed, God counted it to him for righteousness' sake. And so even though at the age of his life, he was old, but God gave him a promised son. And even though he did not see that promise ultimately fulfilled of you shall have descendants that number the stars in the heaven and the sand on the seashore, he, never saw, he only said, had one son of promise and one son from, Ish, from, uh, from Hagar. He only had two sons in this life. But here's the thing about Abraham. He was thinking about his ancestors, his, his, uh, his children. He was thinking about future generations. As he began to pay the price and dig these wells, he was thinking to himself, this well can be a source of blessing for my son Isaac and for his sons and for their sons. See, this is the purpose. This, is the, this should be the goal of every parent, right? That when you die, are you going to leave a heap of debt to your children that they have to pay? That's why our government currently is, is, uh, is doing horrible things, robbing from future generations to go further and further into financial debt. It's wrong. It's immoral. And that's also immoral for you on a personal level to heap up so much debt that you're going to leave to your children bills to pay. Don't let it be so. Abraham, Abraham had the vision that he wanted to be a blessing to his son. He wanted to provide a source of life, a well for his son Isaac. I hope you're still with me this morning. The blessings of a well, think about it for a moment. It is hard to dig a well. Did anybody hear me say that it was easy? No, that's not what I said. I said it is hard to dig a well but it's worth it. And the reasons are, listen, the reasons are that once a well is there, it remains. Yes, it's going to require some upkeep, some maintenance, as all good things do, but it will remain. Another blessing of a well is that it fills up on its own. Think about that. A well does not require any further labor to bring water in. It is attracting the water from the ground around it. And so you take a bucket or two, and guess what? Fills back up. You take a bucket or two, fills back up. A well is an incredible sign of blessing. The other nice thing about a well is that it's not a handout. You still have to pull the bucket up from the bottom of the earth. You know, uh, I can still remember the televisions that you had to get out of your chair to change the channels. <laughs> right? And now it's like, beep. Or now, it's, you know, we are so spoiled in our general. We have the entire universe of information available to us on a screen in your pocket. You don't even have to wonder about things anymore. You remember when you used to wonder about things before the Internet? Now you don't have to wonder about anything. You can just ask Google. But the thing about a well is that you still have to exert some energy to bring the blessing to the surface. Now, I want to take the idea of a well this morning, and I want to attach it to an idea. 
They represent, the well of the ancient world represents for us today a hard-fought source of life and blessing. Can I remind you today that there are things, there are blessings in your life today that are a life-giving source of blessing that you had to work hard for, you had to fight for. There are blessings in our lives that we take for granted. There are blessings in the church here, in this building, Somebody fought and gave and prayed for so that we could enjoy today. There are things in our faith. I mean, just think about God's incredible grace and mercy for a moment. You know how the Bible says that His grace, which is new every morning, His grace, which is renewed for us day by day as we live for God, as we make mistakes, as we sometimes enter into sin and fall into temptation, but the Bible says that we can wake up the next morning and His grace is new again. That's a well of blessing. That we can go to the Lord, repent of our sins, and say, God, I'm sorry, I'm stupid, I can't believe I did that. Would you forgive me? And God doesn't say, forget you. But He says, my grace is new every morning. And we can go and we can pull out the blessing of God's forgiveness. And why is that? Because that well of God's grace was dug with the blood of Jesus. Took a lot of energy, didn't it? A lot of labor. Blood, sweat, and tears. When you think about the grace of God, it must be connected to the cross where Christ paid the price for us. It's a well of blessing. Are you hearing me today? We are here in this service today, here in 2019. But I want to tell you, this church would not be here without a few wells of blessing that have been dug over the years. Can I tell you that in every church service, since this church was founded in the early 90s, there has been a prayer meeting Every single service, three times a week, 52 weeks per year. Think about the prayer that has been dug. Think about the wells of prayer so that this church can continue on. Think about the the thousands and thousands and perhaps even millions of dollars that have been given to this church over the years. Somebody has given again and again and again and again so that we could have air conditioning this morning. And here we are sitting in our nice comfy blue chairs being recipients of a well that someone else has dug for years and years. We have a pastor, Pastor Campbell. Um... Pastor Campbell is our sponsoring pastor, and he has been there in the Chandler Church for over 30 years. He has provided a well of leadership and direction for our church, hasn't he? We are part of a greater fellowship, an organization of churches, 120 nations around the world. I I bore witness to the incredible power of our fellowship again this week as we launched all of these new churches into new cities. Aren't you glad for that? 
but we wouldn't have it unless there was somebody along the way digging wells. Wells of prayer. Every service, one hour before service, all around the world. Morning prayer. Look, I, 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 I'm not trying to be harsh on you this morning, but I have people who tell me, Pastor, I want to be a disciple. I want to do something for God. But I don't really want to hear that if you can't be in prayer. You know what I'm saying? If, you, if you're not serious about praying for our church, how can I take you serious that you want to be a disciple or be a pastor one day? There are wells of commitment. The reason that we, we are, are praying and we're fasting for the men of this church to get jobs that don't interfere with the church schedule. Here's why. Because Saturdays are outreach days in our church. For generations, we've had this well of Saturday outreach. Where each and every week we will go to a different neighborhood, to a different place, and we will knock on doors or we'll go to a park or we'll do a concert or we'll preach on the street. It's a well that must be dug. In our fellowship, we have standards for ministry. We have follow-up. We care for new believers and visitors to our church. We believe God for miracle conversions. Our churches are not built by stealing converts from other churches. We believe God for conversions when sinners get saved. Right? That's how we build our church. We pray for the sick. We see people healed. Those are all wells of commitment that our fellowship has dug over the years. But the point of our scripture is this. I want you to look at it one more time. Genesis 26, 18. The point is that Abraham was the one who dug these wells originally. But something happened. It says that after the death of Abraham, the enemy of God's people, the Philistines, came in and stopped them up. What does that mean? So a well... As I mentioned, a source of incredible blessing, difficult to create. But also a well, by extension, it lays claim to the land that is around it. If you see a a well of Abraham, that tells you this is Abraham's land. This is the place where Abraham's family is growing. This is the place where he grows his crops or where he keeps his livestock. A well is a title deed to the land. With me so far? So after the death of Abraham, the Philistines saw an opportunity. For generations, the Philistines opposed the people of God, opposed Abraham, opposed, and uh, even though Abraham had defeated them previously, at the moment that Abraham died, they took their chance. The Philistines represent for us the forces of evil that are constantly against us. Can you say amen? Did you know that you're in a battle? The war has not been finished yet. You are still in a battle every day of your life, and you have enemies that want to destroy you. There is a devil who wants to kill, steal, and destroy 
He's not the only enemy we have. We have this world that we live in. The world system, the world is against the people of God. There's also an inner enemy. We have flesh. And as long as we are attached to it in this life, the flesh will work against the kingdom of God. That's why there's a part of you that didn't want to come to church today. There's a part of you that wanted to stay in bed today. That is your flesh. And these uh, primary three enemies are constantly working against us. The devil, the world, and the flesh. And they can conspire with one another to come against you. To destroy your destiny. To destroy your blessing to destroy your relationship with God, to destroy your prayer life, to destroy this church. We know who the enemy is. And we know his ways. One of the things that the enemy will always try to do is he will try to stop up the well of blessing. In our scripture, we learn that the Philistines came in after the death of Abraham and they began to stop up the wells that Abraham had dug. How would you do that? Well, in the ancient world, it's very easy to stop. You know, it's, it's, this is a, a truth that is universal. To build things is hard. To destroy things is very easy, right? To build a good marriage is very difficult. Hours, years, communication, humility, all these things. Very hard to build a marriage. But it's very easy to destroy a marriage. One bad decision. It's very hard to build anything of value in life, but it's so easy to destroy it. It's hard to dig a well. It takes toil and labor and sweat and digging and going deep into the earth. But it's easy to stop the well. All they had to do was to take a big a donkey load of rocks. Dump them in. Takes hardly any work at all. Giant rock, gravity is working with you. Whoop. And down it goes. And repeat that a few more times. And guess what? The well is stopped. The source of blessing is removed. The Philistines gained the upper hand over Abraham and his family simply by stopping up the well. What's interesting to me is that the Philistines were not interested in claiming those wells and using them for themselves. They were not interested in pushing out God's people out of that land so they could use the wells. No, they were simply interested in, uh, in hurting what, the blessing that was already there. The demonic is constantly seeking to destroy the source of blessing in your life. Trying to steal the reasons why we have blessing. Now as I'm thinking about this, the enemy who wants to stop up the wells of blessing in our lives, who wants to to destroy the the life-giving source, the wells that we have inherited, There's another parallel here. Abraham is kind of like a Christ-like figure. 
who has provided these wells to his children. In other words, when we read about Isaac here, Isaac had not dug the wells. He had inherited them, right? They were something that were passed to him as his birthright, but somewhere in between, it's as the birthright was being passed. It said Abraham died. Then the Philistines plugged up the wells. And at that moment, Isaac also inherits them. You see how it's in the passing from one generation to the next where the enemy takes advantage. In a similar way, beloved, salvation cannot be earned but only received. In a similar way, beloved, God does not have grandchildren. He only has children. So that each and every generation has to have their own relationship with God. No matter how much you love the Lord, how much you serve the Lord, your chil- you cannot earn salvation for your children. You're, you can show them, you can teach them, you can be a good example to them, but one day your children are going to have to make the same decision to dig. To dig out a relationship with the Lord. You can put a shovel in their hand. You can put a good place for them. But every person is going to have to make this fight on their own. In our our, uh, scripture, there's a decision that's made. Isaac had inherited wells that had been stopped up by the enemy. And so this decision, which moved me as I read it again in verse 18, it says, Isaac dug again. Everybody say, dug again. He dug them again. The wells of water, which they had dug in the days of Abraham, his father. My call this morning is that we as the people of God here in Virginia Beach, we would realize the wells that have been dug for us. And that we would also make the decision to dig again. To dig, could you imagine what that would have been like? Isaac, he's coming onto the scene. And there's this beautiful well that he probably has memories of. As a child, he can remember his father pulling up the buckets of blessing for him. He can remember eating the the cheese and the milk of the cows and the goats that had drunk from the same well. He can probably remember from his childhood, early days, he can remember the blessing that those wells would have brought to his life. And as he approaches these wells, the Philistines have come through and he sees that they've been stopped up. It reminds me of when Nehemiah goes and visits Jerusalem again. And he sees that the walls had been torn down. The same walls that had protected him, that had been there to bless the people of God. And he goes to Jerusalem and he sees them completely destroyed. And how it moved him. How it moved Nehemiah to his soul. And he said, I want to build again. Somewhere you have to have a heart to dig again. Do you have a heart to dig the wells again? 
the wells of prayer that were dug in generations past, the wells of tithing, giving, sacrificing. Can I tell you, it's it's hard to give sometimes, to release resources into the kingdom, especially when you've got your own plan for them, right? Oh, I got a plan for this money, for this paycheck. And sometimes to dig again. Every generation of believers has to do what Isaac did in our scripture. He dug them again. The other thing that we see was what he called them. The end of our scripture, it says that he called them by the names which his father had called them. One of the things, if you study about Jewish culture and about Jewish history, is that they are very interconnected from one generation to the next. That's something that we've lost out on in in a generation now where we are not so much connected to our previous generations. That comes as a result of broken homes and broken families where many people don't know who their father is or if he was ever around. And so as a result, we find ourselves isolated in our own generation. We find ourselves disconnected from previous generations. But one thing you, you learn if you read the Bible and you study Jewish culture is that the generations are connected. That the first thing you read in the New Testament is all the generations of how Jesus is connected to David and how David is connected to Abraham, right? And they're all in this long line of blessing and how Mary and Joseph are connected to the fathers before them and to their ancestors and there's one flow of destiny coming through. We must understand the reason we're sitting in this church today is not only because Jesus provided the sacrifice so we could be saved, but there have been saints along the way. There's been a church that has labored and dug and outreached and given and prayed and done hard things so that we could be saved today where we are. Do you realize that this morning? That you are not your own? That you've been bought with a price, of course, by Christ? But there's also been a price paid by churches before you. Pastors and disciples and hardworking people. Bible study leaders. Outreach leaders. Those who've done evangelism. The hard work of holiness. There have been those Abrahams in the past who have dug the wells again and again and again. My question to you is, are you willing to redig? As we see now, the, the reason that, our, that churches have difficulties is because the wells get stopped. The enemies come in and say prayer. Ah, not so important. The enemies come in and say, outreach, oh, it's better you sleep in on Saturday morning or work for a paycheck on Saturday morning. Or it's better for uh, the church. You know, times are changing, Pastor. We have to do things a different way. And yes, I'm open to new things. But we must be willing to redig the wells of blessing and call them by the same name. Isaac found these wells, and he knew what a source of blessing they could be. He knew it because he had seen it. Some of you have had the incredible blessing of being part of a true revival, 
And when I say that, I don't just mean when we have extra services on the calendar. I mean when you see real revival when it happens. You can't unsee it. When you see people coming in without ever being witnessed to and getting saved. How'd you hear about the church? I didn't. I was just passing by on the street and God's dealing with me. When you see real revival, when people begin to get saved, you can't unsee it. That's a well. I can remember the Chandler Church. I can remember it being a new convert and standing right about over here. Pastor Campbell's up there. I was standing right about here. Altar was filled with young people. Began to pray for people to get filled with the Holy Spirit. I can remember what it was like for the first time to speak in tongues, to feel the presence of God so powerfully. Are we willing to redig those wells? The reason I experienced that was because somebody dug a well, called it by the same name. We must be willing in our generation, men of this congregation, we must be willing to work to be disciples, to be on time, to be men of God, to be holy, to not be giving our minds to distractions or pornography. We must be willing not just to be recipients of blessing, but to be sources of blessing. Not just to be the disciples, but to be the ones making disciples. And so my challenge this morning is to dig again. The enemy has attacked. He has made it difficult, no doubt. We live in a generation where it's becoming even harder and harder to dig these wells, to protect them from the, from the attacks of hell. But my call this morning is that we can dig again. We can dig again. If we want to see the blessing, if you've been to a conference, you've been to other churches around our fellowship, you've seen incredible blessing, haven't you? You've seen churches filled and packed. You've seen new converts, teenagers getting saved. You say, how come we don't see that around here? Well, if we want to see what they see, we have to do what they do. We read the New Testament. We see the book of Acts. We see multitudes of people getting healed and saved. On every page, it's incredible. It's the blueprint for what the church should be. And if you look at the book of Acts and you say, hmm, how come I don't see that today in my life? The reason is, if you want to see what they saw, you have to do what they did. It's very simple. If you want to have personal revival with the Lord Jesus, if it feels like you are so distant from God and you used to know what it was like to know Him in prayer and to hear His voice and to be close to Him. And now it's like dead, dry religion. If you want to experience what you once experienced, you have to do what you once did. You have to pray like you used to pray. You have to love like, like Jesus said to His church in Revelation. You must return to your first love. Redig the well so that you can have the blessing. I am not promoting some kind of works-based uh, gospel. I'm not trying to tell you we have to work for our salvation. We know that that is foolishness. 
But what I am saying today is that if we want to experience God's blessing that He has for us, we must be willing to redig wells. Will you join me today in redoubling our commitment to prayer? Redoubling our commitment to outreach and evangelism, disciple-making? Would you recommit to giving, laboring, and sacrificing, doing hard things? So that one day, we can pull on the rope. And out from the ground comes a fresh source of life. Don't you want that for your life, for your family, for our church? for the kingdom of God, don't you want to be able to go to God in prayer and say, Lord, I need something, fill in the blank, and out from the ground comes a blessing. Will you redig old wells? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes as we bring this service to an end. And as God is dealing with our hearts, I spoke briefly this morning about the incredible grace which is new every morning for those who will call upon His name. What the Bible tells us is that we are all sinners. We have all fallen short of God's glory. What that means today is that there's nobody here We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people.